Did I tell you I was talking to Kevin the other day about a possible love interest for one of Joey's old characters? Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, it was uh, for Tin Can, um, which was Joey's Warforged character. You remember right, him? Right, yeah, the rogue. Yeah, he yeah. was a fun guy. I liked him. Yeah, he he made a love interest for him because he didn't think Joey was getting enough playtime. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, um, and you know, for those of you that don't know, Warforged is a uh, a metal man. He's basically a big robot. So Mr. Fitz made him a girlfriend. It looked like everything was going great, uh, and last minute he pulled her out. Really? Why? Um, she said he was too high maintenance. Don't believe a word you hear. It's all lies. We had <laughs> that conversation. Lies. You trusted me, but I broke that trust, and that's, I'm sorry. That's yeah, and uh, you're going to pay for it dearly. Just so watch. you confirm it's true. I neither confirm nor condemn. Welcome to the Roll oh, Insanity actually, Podcast. I do condemn. <laughs> I, you've been condemned. Yes, the, we should come back to what we are here for. Yeah. The Roll for Insanity <laughs> Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Uh, my name's Kevin. I'll be uh, one of your hosts tonight. Uh, we are down. Um, uh, people are leaving like a, rats leaving a sinking ship. We've got three of us today. And unfortunately, it's the lower three. But uh, we have uh, with us today Clay. I'm condemned. You are. We still have Ryan. Clay's condemned. He is. <laughs> and as I said, my name's Kevin. We're down to the dirty three. And Clay, you are condemned. Yeah. Hey. I'm so sorry about that. No, you're not. Yeah. That's um, fine. This episode is dedicated to Joey for not being here. Yes, yes. Uh, something about being in Vegas and the, something was running hot and he said we could just you know, forget him. He's yeah, he said he out. was on a lucky streak. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Said he doesn't need that podcast money anymore. That's right. Yeah. He's doing good. <laughs> Which is pretty sad because we make... Well, anyway, no one misses Joey, so we're going to move on. Um, <laughs> I know we had some fun stuff to talk about today. Um, I actually had a couple questions for you guys, because as you know, we're starting up my campaign uh, pretty soon. We're taking a break from Joey's, and we're doing mine. Right. It's, it, I kind of see a, it's kind of like a pattern here. Mm-hmm. Do, yeah. do, Joey, Joey stops DMing. Joey disappears under mysterious circumstances. And Clay becomes the, the uh, DM of the day. Hmm. Hmm. Guys, guys, why are we talking about whatever his name was instead of talking about my campaign? <laughs> this is exciting stuff. I have such good ideas. Clay, are yes. we going to find something in your closet? Not if you don't look? look in my closet. <laughs> oh, the skeletons. We should have used this. Uh, He's not this a skeleton yet. For uh, Halloween. Dang, nervous. That's okay. Well, um, it appears that Clay is now uh, physically threatening me from a. Uh, Welcome about, to the Spook for Insanity podcast. About, <laughs> from about six feet away, he's um, he's holding something. Is that a wrench? A knife? Yeah, you can't, or a you can't tell the difference between a knife and a wrench? Uh, you're kind of like... <laughs> cattle I am kind of waving it around pretty yeah, fast. Yeah. It's um, going to get you at some point. Anyway, so to, yeah. to appease our new overlord, Clay, uh, yeah, what were your questions? Yeah. Yeah. So I had originally planned on starting you guys at level one because why wouldn't you? You know, every game starts at level one. Seems but like a good place to start. I had a, an advice from former DM Joey uh, that was you should start at level three because that's kind of right around when uh, things start picking up for most classes. You kind of get into a feel for what you're going to be and what you're going to do. 
So what about you guys? I know you both have DM before. So how often do you guys start at level one? What do you think the difference is between starting at level one versus level three? Just kind of give me your thoughts. Um, yeah, sure. So I think that it strictly depends on who you're playing with, like who your players are. Uh, for somebody who's never played the game, if that's like a majority of your demographic of the people you're going to be playing with, mm-hmm. I think starting at level one makes a lot of sense because then they can kind of learn the core mechanics of whatever class they're playing okay. without having to worry about like the nuances of like subclasses or like a domain if you're a cleric or like a specialization mm-hmm. in a school if you're a wizard, etc. Right. Okay. Actually, you, you do pick your domain at first level as a cleric. <laughs> Sorry, kind of slight retcon there. But um, yeah, so a lot of the time it uh, helps you get familiar with the class itself. And then when you start to get into the specialization, that's at further levels like third or second for some classes. And that's when things start to get a little bit more complicated. Okay. So I think that if you're playing with new people who are like brand new to the hobby, like they've never played D&D before... I think starting them at first level is generally a good idea. Okay. But for most people that have already played before, they don't want to go through levels one and two most of the time because <laughs> that's stuff that you've done a thousand times. If you've already played like a wizard, for instance, but you want to play like a different subclass of wizard, then, you know, the first two levels are going to be exactly the same. It's just wizard th- doing wizard things. But mm. it's the third level when you get your stuff that comes online. I think that's true. Um, don't crucify me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty certain that wizards get their subclass at third level, but it might be second. Okay. Well, anyway. What do you think, Kevin? Well, I like to start it at three because it gives them, you have a little more gameplay. I think okay. the problem that you run into with first level, you know, um, they may have one or two spells. They're usually, uh, you know, insignificant spells. You, you really mm-hmm. don't hit your... Your bread and butter till about third, fourth level. I think that's when you start to come in. Fifth levels when you get third levels. Right, spells, but I mean, so, yeah. but okay. but I mean, you've got more than just one or two spells. Right. So well, you know, but yeah. you start out that way. However, mm-hmm. it, you know, if you think about it, if they are new players, you may want to start them at first level. Uh, number one, they're going to level up quickly. Okay. It, you know, and uh, it gives them some chances to run around. But that's the. I think that's going to fall back to what type of gameplay. If you've got uh, combative where they're just going to have encounters, uh, first level is going to be horrible. You know, they're okay. going to have one fight, go back to town to sleep. You know, have one <laughs> fight, go back to town to sleep. I mean, it gets kind of boring because there's not a lot. Now, if it's more exploration or puzzle work or where they're doing a job for somebody in town, that kind of a thing, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, you give them 100 you know, health potions and uh, they just run around yep. uh, because there's, you know, again, uh, as far as, I mean, I guess they could go up against, you know, you know, critters like, you know, kobolds, you know. So there's three of them and one kobold. It'd probably take all three of them to kill kobold. it. You know, but I mean, things like that. Um, so I think it depends on gameplay. But honestly, you know, like you were saying, Ryan, I mean, if you're, you know, an existing player, even if you've only played once or twice, you don't want to have to go through all that again. You know, it's kind yeah. of grinding to get back up to where you are, you know, and... The other thing is, is I usually like to start them out with uh, a significant, you know, inventory, give them mm-hmm. a decent weapon, yeah. because if not, again, it's the same thing. You know, they've got to go find stuff, and it, it just makes it a little more difficult. It just it, there's better gameplay, I think, once you get to at least third. Right. Um, I actually, uh, I almost prefer starting at like fifth level. 
Okay. Which is tough, like you said, if yeah. it's somebody already, but you know, you think about it, the player is already that experienced and ready to go at that yeah. level. And you've got some, you've got some fodder, you know, you've got some stuff that you, you know, that's in your, your arsenal that you can actually play with. And what, I, what do you think about that? I think it also, yeah, I kind of agree with what you're saying, but I think it's also, um, I think it could be dependent on the type of story that you're trying to tell as well. So at first level, it's like the adventurer is really just starting out. They haven't done anything of like any note. Like, you know, maybe they saved like a cat from a tree or something. Nice. But like, you know, they probably aren't even clearing out like a den of goblins or whatever. Um, so for session zero, that's pretty much for the players. But, uh, you know, starting at one, it's almost like a session zero for the characters. Right. Where they get to kind of flesh their out. And I guess it, mm-hmm. that's where introductions would be made. And, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so then you once you get up to like third level, that's where you could have done like a handful of minor things. Like maybe there was like a goblin camp that was planning on attacking the town that you were in. Um well, clearing out that camp, that makes sense for like a third level party. If you had just started adventuring, it doesn't make sense that that's something that you would have done. So it kind of allows you to put your characters like where their status in society is based off of what level they are. So for instance, um, if you're starting your characters out at like ninth level, these are adventurers who have had quite a few adventures under their belt. Like they aren't new to this game. They're fairly strong. They have skills. And people probably know them. So if you want to start out like characters at ninth level and they're in this place where nobody like knows who they are, that's not going to work very well because they've accomplished things. They've done things that have like changed the world by that level. Okay. Um, of course, they could come in like the, you know, right. you know like the like Avengers, a, you know, they, they walk into town and mm-hmm. no matter who comes up against them, you know, right. <laughs> they wipe them out. And I mean, sure, you could be like in another continent or something where nobody has heard of you. But the fact remains that at ninth level, your character should have done something substantial in the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I have a question for you. Sure. How many ninth level characters have you ever played? Um, not many. I can count them <laughs> on one hand, I think. Getting that high in a and d campaign is... Uh, pretty uh, pretty rare as far as i know doing it actually the way it's you know written in the book from first to ninth yeah that's yeah. a chore yeah. yeah well even third to ninth even fifth to ninth i mean right. the thing is is when you once it you get to slower that, as it's you much slower up, yeah. and, and the amount you know the amount of experience that has to be you know acquired to get to the next level it's not exponential but it sure feels it um yeah. One more thing that I wanted to throw in before we get too far away from this point. Yeah. Um, just to backpedal to what I said, where starting out at first level is usually easier for new players. There's one exception to that rule. Okay. And that is, it is way easier for your character to die at first level than it is at third level. True. Um, Interesting. And that's because you only have one hit die at first level. Oof. Let's say you're playing with like, um, we'll say that you have like uh, a 4d6 drop the lowest kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So your stats are based off of 3d6. Let's say you get an 18. You put that into your constitution and then you get like a plus two from some racial bonus. That puts you at a 20 constitution. That gives you a plus five, right? Yep. Um, And then you're like a barbarian. That gives you 17 HP at first level maximum that you can start vanilla. (laughs) If you did perfectly and you min-maxed your character as much as possible. Right. So... Now let's look at the stat block for like a goblin. Now most of their weapons are going to be doing a D4 or a D6 damage. Mm-hmm. That means you can get hit by a goblin around five, six times before you die. Yeah, and that's if you have 
optimal stats. If your character has a negative constitution modder modifier and you're playing a squishier class like a wizard, um, so let's say you have like a, a minus one or even like a plus zero and you start the game out with six HP, um, that's one hit from a short sword if they're lucky, um, not including ability modifier on that damage. So it's really, really easy to die at first level. Um, well, and that brings me into um, playing your character correctly too, because that's, you know, I see this happen a lot where we'll have a wizard who has six hit points, you know, and he's on the front line. What the <laughs> heck is he doing? I mean, you know, he may not have a lot to do and he may not be that, you know, you know, essential in that particular battle. But for crying out loud, don't go up to the front line. You're not the tank for crying out loud, you know? Well, I, mean, I mean, that yeah. sounds like you're mixing player knowledge with character knowledge because, you know, for all you know, that wizard could have an awful wisdom score and they don't realize that they shouldn't be at the front of the party. Well, somebody needs to tell them. I would think that somebody there has an intelligence over, you know, 12. Well, let's, let's just say over eight. I mean, even just normal intelligence would say, you're squishy, you're going to die. Yeah. But, I mean... It, True. I mean, you know, I would think, though, that a wizard or anybody who needs uh, wisdom or intelligence would have the intelligence to know that that's not their place. You know, now I could see a barbarian. It's, you know, intelligence is, you know, seven or six, you know, with all the, you know, everything going on. But well, sure. And I think that you're making assumptions that every combat is going to go perfectly. Well, no, it's no like the wizard can get caught out of position like even in like session one, like if you have goblins set up that are meant to like ambush the party, you know, like maybe they don't catch on to the fact that they're hiding there. And when they walk past, they jump out behind the group and that's where the wizard is. Right. True. My, my point being like, sure. People can play like optimally and keep their wizards in the back or whatever, but it's not going to keep misfortune from striking and your wizard can still die in one round of combat. Well, not die, go down. So what I'm getting from all of this <laughs> is that maybe you shouldn't start at first level. So what I'm kind of understanding is kind of to use video game logic because that's what I spend most of my time doing anyway. Level one and two is kind of the tutorial for your character. Exactly. You're learning mechanics. You're learning how well, D&D functions. And if you think about it, you're, you know, just the just small little jobs and things around town are going to build up experience so that you're going to be, you know, second level very quickly. Right. Yeah. And then even third before you start to venture out. So I would say if you are starting with first level, you better have, a, you know, a very decent backstory and keep them, you know, in you know, in the game, you know, so that they feel like, you know, that they're contributing, they're doing something rather than just, you know, leading them around like, um, you know, here, <laughs> we're going to the end. We're going to listen to Knight, you know, Jones talk about his adventures. Right. And uh, then we're going to have a quiz after. And if you do really well, you know, I mean. Yeah. And like, okay, also if you're using milestone experience, which I highly recommend, I don't yeah, like seriously. the experience point system. Right. But, um, I could see a party starting at level one and hitting level three before the first session is over. Exactly. And exactly. it doesn't even have to be combat based like you were saying. Right. So like maybe just going out and helping people in the town would get you to level two or something. It doesn't need to specifically based off of combat. Right. So like yeah. if you're a wizard, maybe you're using mage hand to help somebody get like their cat out of a tree. Or if you're like a barbarian, you could use rage, but maybe it's not to like, 
hurt somebody it's to like move something really heavy and so you're still teaching people their class mechanics yeah but you don't need to put them in constant threat of being killed and once you get to second level which isn't too much of a jump you've doubled your health pool which means you're a lot less likely to die in one combat that's fair um and so i think that um in that way if you have new players you could get them to level three by the end of the first session and that would help them to learn their kit um, in a safe environment and then be ready to look into what their character needs when they level up to third and come the next week with the knowledge of what their new play style is going to be like yeah and i mean i think that works too and in in the vein that you were you know discussing that you yeah. are more of a video game yeah. kind of guy um, think about it if you started a new game and you have a new character, you've never played it before and they throw you out in the, you know, the level three grounds and you have no idea what you're doing. I mean, yeah. you know, they have the training grounds, you know, yep. and usually, you know, you, you from first to second is almost instantaneous. Second to third is like, you know, pretty quick. And then it starts to slow down a little bit. So, I mean, yeah. you know, that same, you know, that same flow, I think, you know, that gives you an idea of, you know, what keystrokes and what, you know, what do you do is what keyboard shortcuts yeah. are there. So I think if you think of it that way, you know, and I agree, I am not a pure experience point uh, DM by any means. I don't, I don't believe in it. Well, I see the merit. I mean, I, well, it, they, it's, it's for people that, you know, need that. People who like the numbers. Well, and or, they need, and they have to have something that they can, you know, um, to, you know, count on and, you know, and address to move that up and you know right. their counters you already have numbers already there this boss is x amount this treasure right and i was going to say i would give an exception to like pre-made campaigns where they have the experience point right. already planned out though i know that there are some pre-mades that use milestone leveling now where it's like make sure that the characters are level two by this point right but and I mean, yeah, and, like you were saying and i like in in that that puts us back into the storytelling again yeah. you know that gives you an idea and that the whole session zero so i mean honestly Clay, to be honest, I think it's it's however you want to do it, how you have it set up. If you have like yeah. a town where you have a lot, like Joey had, I don't know, thirty NPCs, which we address none. It yeah. was one or two. I it think. wasn't thirty. It was like ten. Yeah. He did have like, 10. but we only addressed like two of them. You know, because well, they were we both not, mean. <laughs> well, and we wouldn't interact with them, and that you know, right? Where if you started out with, uh, if we were level one i think it would have been different because we couldn't have done anything i don't think we would have talked to them at level one because they're big and scary well yeah that's true that's true well i guess it depends on your character wisdom score super low (laughs) so i mean there are you know there are definitely different ways of you know different play and none of our you know our ways that you know our our campaigns the way we run them are perfect yeah and you have to remember that. But as a DM, there's a lot of uh, grace, you know, and you can right. make all kinds of mistakes and nobody's ever going to know it. I think Good. ultimately my stance on this whole thing is what my stance is for most of these like decisions that you have to make as a DM. And I think what it comes down to ultimately is use your own discretion. Um, unless you have something specifically in mind, probably bring it up to your players at session zero and be like, hey, would you guys be comfortable starting it? first level or would you rather start at third like um would you be would you want to get more into like the deeper mechanics right away or would you want to be like brought into that slowly and you know if everybody's on board to start at like third level or higher then great but if people are uncomfortable with the game and they want to learn it more and they want to start at first level then awesome um and right of course i said that that's if you don't already have something specific in mind if you like 
need your players to start at level one to progress the story the way that you have it like laid out then go for it do that um so yeah at the end of the day it's really just like whatever ends up working for you and working for your table because each table is different and i think that that comes down to if you have a mixed crowd too like uh you know right now we're you know the, the three of us are playing but um joey is coming in and uh, he's bringing a friend who I, I don't think he's ever played, has he? No, he's yeah, never he played. Yeah. So we're going to have a mixed crowd. We're going to have yeah. one one kid that has no clue what he's doing, kind of like when Austin was playing. Right. You know, it was Austin's first round, and I have to say that Austin was he did an great. amazing. Yeah. He really did. first time player. I mean, he got into it and he he took control of his character. You don't see that very often. He's no, got no. a lot of imagination. He is, uh, and he's bright, you know? So, I mean, yeah. just the things he did. I was very impressed, I have to say. Yeah. But for and, the most part... Sorry, can I just, like, butt yeah. in here for a second? Yeah, I think uh, a great kind of solution, uh, there are a million different ways to do this, but if you do have a split party where you have a bunch of people that are new and other people who are experienced, uh, one way that you could do is do, like, a session zero but then before that, like a, a session, like double zero or something, right? And so you have all of your new players come in on the first one. They play levels one through three in one session. And then you have all of your experienced players start at level three. Yeah. yeah. And then you all start at the same point And the players who have never played before get like an intro to the game. Um, and so in that way, everybody's caught up and ready to go on for like the regular session zero where the party meets and you get into the campaign together. But you give them all an opportunity to learn, um, and the like. Experienced players don't have to go through that if they're like, "Oh, I don't want to play levels one and two. Then you know you could just offer that for them, and if they don't want to, they can just start at third level um, True. with True. everyone else. And so yeah, that's just like one example of a way that you could handle that. Um, Unless there's scheduling issues, right? You know, I mean, that would be a problem. Again, so it, ultimately, it comes down to whatever works for your table. Yeah. Well, this one, uh, if uh, Joey's friend, if you're listening, I am absolutely throwing you in the deep end. You're starting at level three, just like anybody else. You're going to get shoehorned in. It's going to be great. Them's the breaks. Them's the breaks. That's right. So <clears throat> with that, another thought I had is I've, I've realized playing other campaigns that sometimes there's too much power given to one character mm. in the form of a magic item, specifically a bag of trickery uh, that was used against me, <laughs> uh, which I really didn't appreciate. Um, so we'll get into the reason why bags of trickery are awful, but, um, for now as a DM, at what point do you realize that you've given your players something that breaks the game or that really is kind of breaking immersion too much and take it away? And how would you do that? Mm. Well, taking away is not a problem. I mean, you can do that pretty much with anything. Gang of bandits come in, you could be arrested and you know, all your possessions are taken and that just never makes it on the list. You know, I mean, there's different ways you could do it. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you guys feel about that though? Like as a player, how do you feel about having your things? Well, I was having a really good time. So (laughs) it it was not going to go away anytime soon. Um, Yeah, I know you were. (laughs) So, okay. My stance on this is I never try and take away something that I've given to my players unless it absolutely destroys the game. And even then, I probably wouldn't. And that's because having something taken from you that you feel like, oh, this is mine, really sucks. It's not a good feeling. And that's something that I learned in like my game design classes. If you like give a player an ability or a mechanic, when you take it away, it feels really bad as the player because and, it's like a loss of power and right. like a loss of possession. And they might not ever play again. I mean, right. seriously, that you know, um, it, it's one of those that sours your you know your experience 
Right. And so um, I try to avoid it whenever possible. If I have a magic item that's overpowered and I can like nerf it to make it slightly less good, but still let the player keep it, that's my first course of action usually. Um, now, there are certain objects that that doesn't work for. Um, like uh, Caleb told me about a DM that gave him a, a bag that had infinite oranges in it. Now, awesome. on the surface, this object doesn't seem like that big of an issue, but, but it is. I highly recommend practicing caution with any object that gives you infinite of anything. Um, because, for instance, let's say there's a spiked pit. Well, you just turn the bag over, wait for it to fill up with oranges, and walk across, right? So, right. Um, in in that that kind of item, how do you like really nerf that to make it so that it's not as strong? Like, you could have a limit on the oranges, and it recharges every day, or maybe only a certain number can come out of the bag, and then they start disappearing or something. You only thought it was infinite oranges, <laughs> <laughs> but like. Um, well, it's infinite, but slow. Right. But like, yeah, that's the hard part is making like not ruining the identity of the object, but balancing it. So, um, but you know, if you have like a sword that does like a D eight damage and has some crazy magical effect, maybe you limit the number of times they can use the effect or you decrease the damage dice or something. That's a lot more manageable. Um, as a player, I like, it's like I was saying, it does suck to have things taken from you, but at times you kind of just go, yeah, okay, that was really strong and I get why I can't keep it. Um, but yeah, so, okay, I guess here's my summarized (laughs) plan of action. Do it. Give it step one. Be very careful about the items you give in the first place. The word infinite should not be used. Generally, never. <laughs> um, okay. There, there are certain cases where, sure, that'll work for you or whatever. If you have, like, a goofy campaign you don't care, then great. Um, but, you know, if people are standing on top of a mountain making an avalanche of oranges, that's on you. Um, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> you know, the snowball gets bigger the farther right, down exactly, the hill it goes, yeah. so do oranges. Um, so, yeah, step one. Don't make inherently broken items. Think carefully if you're designing your own magic items or taking them from online. Uh, the ones in um, your core books are generally going to be okay with a few exceptions in like the deck of many things, um, <laughs> wish rings, etc. Be mindful of what gear you should be and shouldn't be giving your party. If you give your party a deck of many things and don't expect it to derail your campaign, that's on you at that point. <laughs> okay, so step two. Step Oops, two. you've accidentally already given your party something overpowered. Oh, no. Oh, no. What do you do? Um, so try and nerf if you can. Don't take away if at all possible. Um, and if it necessitates it, then do like a full redesign of the item. Uh, third step, if that doesn't work, then you got to take it away. Um, there are ways to write it out, whether it's like some person robbing you, like you were saying, dad, or, um, maybe it just disappears in the middle of the night, but don't make (laughs) it feel unfair. Try and write in a way for them to lose it. That doesn't feel like you specifically cheated them out of the object. So kind of give, try and write in a way for them to almost voluntarily or with knowledge say, Oh, I'm giving this up in exchange for continuing on the story or, right exactly you know, well, something else and if it's an item you know the other the other thing is you, you, like you said make sure it, there's nothing written in there that says infinite or permanent 
Um, and which and again, there are exceptions where like, well, that's and everything. Fine, and but... the thing is, you could you know you could limit. And this is you know, up to the DM. You know, even the deck of many things. Uh, one card per day. You know, that's the way this one works. Well, sure, but that could still just banish one it, of your party members to the aether. It, so. Well, I mean, you know, and then um, roll, roll, have them roll percentile dice, you know, because the, the, the deck wasn't attuned to him. I mean, there are different things you can right. do. Right, there's a million different ways that you can handle like the, the situation. Like the Helm of Brilliance. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. Yep. It has gems on it. Yeah, and if you pull off a gem and you throw it, 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 it takes on whatever magic... Um, spell or uh, I, I can't remember exactly how it works, but I think they're each one of them does a damage like a fireball and ice bolt and, you know, things like that. Um, and then when it's done, it's just a helm. Huh. Well, I mean, you know, you could, if you kind of overpower it, you know, the helm could just be a, you know, a plus one helm when it's done, yeah. but that's it. Uh, but that thing's that, you know, that's uh, what do they call those? That's one of the, um, it's like the apparatus of Kowalsh and all those. I mean, it's, it's a, a wondrous item. Yeah, it's a wondrous item. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really cool, but, you know, when it's done, it's done. I mean, you know, Wizard figured that out a long time ago. Right. You know, make nothing infinite, make nothing permanent. And the way know. they've been doing it in 5th edition that you see more commonly is the charge system, right? Right. So um, back in like 3.5 or Pathfinder or older editions, you would have a wand that has like 30 charges on it, right? And those still exist to some extent in 5th edition. But what you see a lot more often is that it has like four charges and it recharges like 1d4 every morning. So you could use all of them in one day, but you might not get all of them back the next day. And so that limits like how much you use it without it being like, oh, well, I used all the charges. This is just a piece of wood now. Right. So... I like that system a lot because yeah. it doesn't feel bad um, to like use the charges. It doesn't feel like you're wasting it. Right, because you're going to get at least a, some semblance of it back. The exactly. Next day. You might not get all of them back, but at least you're going to get some. And then the next day, you're going to, you know, you know, it recoups again. Right. No, I agree. I think that's a really good one. Um, and the other thing is you can always equalize too. Like poor Clay. Um, it was poor his, Clay. Yeah, his, his brother um, got the... Did you want to? Did you want to go through that? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. Yes, and then I'll tell you how we could have fixed that. Oh yeah, we love the bag of tricks. So in the last campaign that Kevin ran for us, I was an adventurer, but I was fresh at it. So my character had been a criminal for a while. He was new to adventuring, and we just kept getting into the craziest, most. It, it, I'm not going to use the language I was thinking, but it was nuts. It was just, <laughs> it was absolutely insane. So my character, at every time I felt confused, I made my character feel confused. He was lost. And it got to the point where he felt like his sanity was failing. And my brother, Cody, had a character who had this magic bag called bag the Bag of tricks. of tricks. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's a stupid, stupid little bag and it's got these little fluff balls inside. And what you do is you take a fluff ball out, you throw it on the ground, and you roll a D8. And depending upon what D8 you roll, a random creature will appear until it's dead or until the next morning. And then it turns back into a ball. Like notably large goat. Yeah. Shout so out to large goat. <laughs> my brother had... I think see. it was the rust one, but I don't remember. Yes, he had the rust bag of tricks. 
So that could either spawn a rat, an owl, a mastiff, which is a large dog, a goat, a giant goat, a giant boar, a lion, or a brown bear. And he loved throwing them at my character, who had never seen a bag of tricks before and just keeps seeing someone throw these little pygmy puffs at him that turn into enormous animals. And... I, I lost it. My character... I had to start doing... I think I made myself roll insanity checks. I did that to myself. Are you saying that you rolled for insanity? I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. And every time, he was insane. <sighs> it. I I had to breathe out of a paper bag at one point. I was saying. <laughs> it was just... It's not okay. It, it drove me nuts. So it, it's an idea. It's fun. Don't give your players bag of tricks. That wasn't the message that I started with intending for this, <laughs> but I'm just going to go ahead and make that the message now. Don't give players bag of tricks. They don't exist. It, I mean, and unfortunately, that that was a comic relief for yeah. our campaign, unfortunately. Isn't it funny how comic relief always ends up being me getting upset? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... And, you know, and we probably should have stepped in. I probably, as a DM, I probably should have, you know, stepped it, you know, done something to equalize because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have taken it away. Kind of like what Ryan said. You don't ever want to take something away um, unless they're abusing it. I mean, at, at that point, you what know... if they were abusing me? Well... I mean, even if they were abusing it, I think well, that there's still a space where you can sit down and talk to them about well, it. Well, and I, and my thought was, I, you know, I could, I could have equalized it. We had a, um, um, an NPC that was a monkey, that uh, was a, uh, could use portals to uh, pop in and out of planes. I should have just made that befriend Clay, and then Clay would have had, you know, an, an equal chance to attack and and bug Cody. I did steal the bag. Yeah, yeah, that did. did happen. And I gave it to a child, and the child had fun with it. Yeah, that. Nancy, so you kind of got your, your I did. vengeance. You Not really got my did. my just desserts. You absolutely handled that well. It was all in good fun. My character was losing his mind. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but my, my poor character thought it was nuts. And, you know, carrying on his spirit. I hate them now. <laughs> but they're, they're just... It's one of those weird magical items where it is. It has yeah, a absolutely. lot of potential to cause a lot of problems. You know, I looked at it and you know, I I didn't think through. I get. I mean, I get. The problem is you have to know the mindset of your players, right? I and what type of a player they would be. The and creative ones are always the most dangerous. They're because the, they they'll find a way to use things in ways that should have never occurred. Uh, like one time, one of my DMs gave me an immovable rod, and let me tell you, I use that for the weirdest things. Um, none of them as he intended. I actually don't know what he expected me to use it for, <laughs> but we used it as like um, a parking boot for our wagon. Uh, we used it as like the first rung in a floating ladder to get uh, into this wizard tower. Um, like a bunch of weird things. I was just uh, like, you're going to give me an immovable rod. I'm going to find so many weird uses for it. And that's what happens. Was I that mean, like wizards of the coast first time where they were like, we'll do something permanent. And then they were like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we exactly. can't take it back now. Yeah. So, um, basically, yeah, the, the players that are creative and can use things the way that you don't expect it, those are the ones you have to worry about. Yeah. Oh, but they also, they're the ones that make oh, it the most the enjoyable. Best, yeah. yeah, there really does. Um, so. But yeah, create your items with them in mind. Second thing that I need to bring up, because Caleb had brought this to my attention recently, is he 
forgot about certain items that he gave players. Oh, no. Yeah. That's and so, good. you know, you might have some great encounter planned out, but if your campaign's been running for over a year and they're like, oh, what about this item that I have written down in my inventory that could perfectly <laughs> solve this situation? And you're like, I forgot that I gave that to you. <laughs> so... Um, be mindful of what's in your players' inventories is the other lesson. So if yeah. you give them a magic item and they just don't use it a bunch, don't forget that you gave that to them <laughs> <laughs> because they will remember and then you're going to have to deal with it. That seems like a good tip for all DMs is try your best to keep track of things that have, uh, you, you're giving them magic of any kind. You're giving them leeway of some kind. Write it down because they'll remember. You will never remember it all, but they will. <laughs> So keep that in mind. That's all good, all good fodder for you today. Woo! Yeah. Well, folks, that's uh, going to bring us to the end of this one. Um, it actually turned out it, this was more of a DM session, but yeah. it's okay. I mean, Fresh it was DM. yeah, it was it was good information. Two so. lies and a truth coming sometime. Yeah, we'll have Maybe to not we'll next carry week. that. My blood pressure got high enough already today. We might just throw that in just because we missed it this week. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. see what we can do. So who knows? All right, guys. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna call it for today and. Uh, we will uh, we'll see you next round. Thanks again for uh, stopping by, giving us a listen. New uh, listeners, thanks for you know, stopping in and, and listening to our zinnias for a while. All right, guys. We will uh, catch you next week. Adios, partner. See ya. Hey, Clay. Uh, did you know that we have a website? We have a website? Yeah, we have a website. It's um, rollforinsanity.com. Wait, do I spell out the word for? No, it's just the number. So oh. it's roll4insanity.com. That's awesome. What can I find on there? Yeah, we have a bunch of stuff on there, actually. Have you ever wanted to follow us on social media? I have. Well... You know, it's kind of hard to find those pages on it the really apps. It really is. Yeah. I can't spell. Right. And so, you know, uh, but the thing is, if you can make it to our website, we have links to all of our social media on there. Wow. You know what social medias we have? Played? I'd love to know. We have Facebook. <gasps> ooh. Instagram. Pictures. And Twitter. Annoying. Wow. All of your favorite social medias in one place. Um, besides that... Uh, we also have a newsletter. A newsletter? A newsletter. What do we say? So you put your email in, and, and then we take it and sell it to people over the internet. We don't sell it. We don't sell it. <laughs> but what we will do is we'll send you updates on whenever we release a new episode or if there's anything else that we want to fill you guys in on. That's so exciting, Ryan. I'm going to go there right now. Isn't it just? But hold on. There's <gasps> more. There's more? We also have a section dedicated to new players. Who's that? So if you're just getting into D&D for the first time, we have a bunch of stuff, uh, links to Amazon, all like consolidated onto one page. And, you know, if you're looking to buy some dice or a dice tower or a DM screen or some handbooks, you know, any of that sound interesting? I love all of those things and well, more. Congratulations. We got all of your favorite links in one place. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, also, if you think that we're doing a bad job and you want to tell us about it. I hate you. Or if you think we're doing a good job and you want them to tell us about it, we have a feedback section. A feedback section. Yeah. You can just uh, type in your message, let us know what you think about the show, what you want to see in future episodes, and that'll get delivered directly to us. I'm going to flame you guys so hard great except the only nathan will be reading it and then he's going to tell us what it said so you'll only be hurting his feelings that's good